It's Twitter Tuesday here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. That means I'm taking your questions, no matter how weird they are. Let's go here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen every single day. Today's Tuesday. That means it's Twitter Tuesday. That means I've got a whole bunch of questions from you, uh, lovely cherubs, and uh, I'm going to answer them. Let's get into it. The first one comes from Jason G. By the way, oh, if you want to uh, send me a question, you can always send. There's a Google form in the show notes. There is um, an email address, LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com, and there's also, you can leave a YouTube comment if you want, or uh, you can always send it to me on Twitter, Luke Brown NFL, or at Locked On Vikings. I usually put out a call on Twitter sometime on uh, Monday morning for these. So, first one comes from Jason G. He says Kevin O'Connell had one of the worst offenses in the league when offensive coordinator for Washington in 2019. What has he done or changed to turn things around to be a successful OC, or was the situation in Washington just that bad? Um, so first, I, I just got to call you out. Um, he doesn't need to be a successful OC. He needs to be a successful HC, a successful head coach. And that's a different skill set. Um, but basically, the situation in Washington was when he was offensive coordinator, um, it was really Jay Gruden's offense. And then he got fired. And then it was Bill Callahan's offense with Kevin O'Connell doing the passing game and designs and stuff like that. So you have to look a little bit deeper and you have to do something really weird when you're evaluating O'Connell, whose job has been to pack the bag, as it were, and then be it McVeigh or Gruden or Callahan or whoever has been actually the one sequencing and choosing the frequencies and stuff like that. Um, So if you look at that Washington offense, like it ran too much. That was a big story in 2019 Washington. They just wouldn't stop running the ball to Adrian Peterson. That's not O'Connell's decision. And yeah, that situation in Washington was awful. Um, but what we can glean out of it is more about like his philosophy and what he thinks an offense should be like, and not necessarily like how good will the offense be? Cause he was working with like Dwayne Haskins for most of that season. <laughs> Next one comes from Vikings infections jumps Dakota border. <laughs> Who says, I've seen lots of ink spilled over the emergence of Conklin. I like Conklin the player, but my take is that Conklin's numbers are evidence of Cousins' failures. Kubiak's bad designs are both. What say you? Um, so, yeah, if you, this is going to be a problem if you're just looking at, like, stats and saying this is what, you know, Conklin got this many yards and that, therefore he is that good. Um, that, that You're going to run into that kind of problem, right? Where it could have been yards that were, you know, checkdowns or whatever. Um, here's what I'll say. I think Conklin made a bunch of pretty good plays. He had, I'll call it an up and down year as a blocker, um, but good enough. And I think he's, I think he's just, he's a tight end too. Um, I think we kind of can all tell he's a, he's a tight end too. And I would like to keep him around as a tight end too. You need a tight end too. Um, if you get rid of him, you need a new tight end too. And I don't want to deal with that. We got enough needs. So I, I would keep him around if you can. Um, but I, I don't know. He's kind of just a guy. Ragnar's ghost says, why are you so afraid of drafting special teamers? So I, I think you mean specialists, because when I talk about like the late rounds, like sixth, seventh round, special teams is huge when it comes to that in terms of how they will contribute, because that's an avenue toward making the team, getting reps, getting the development that, that a player that low necessarily needs. You know, you're, you're in the seventh round, you're going to need to learn some things and you're not going to learn some things unless you make a roster and the way to make a roster is special team. So I'll always look at how good somebody is at special teams 
teams, assuming there is like a greater future plan for that person. I don't like drafting kickers or punters. Um, basically kickers are a wash. That's like statistically and everything. Kickers are massively inconsistent. There are Justin Tuckers and then there's everybody else, um, that they just are streaky. And if you are too overreactive to a streak, um, then you can get yourself in trouble. Plus a full on college season of kicking is not that much of a sample size. If you compare it to golf, which I think is really appropriate to do with kicking, um, a kicker over his entire college career will give you about as many kicks as you would see on like two games of golf. If you like one stroke equals one kick. So would you evaluate a golfer on two games? Um, that's kind of what we're doing with kickers. Like it is just too small a sample to actually understand anything. So I dislike drafting special teamers. I think it's wrong. I think it's a bad idea. Um, I get an undrafted free agent. You're probably getting about the same quality guy. Next one comes from Chris who says, which is the more desperate fan cope belief? Vikings fans thinking Kirk will not be on the Vikings next year or Packers fans thinking that Rogers will be on the Packers. So I guess this question really boils down to which is less likely and therefore which one do you need to like convince yourself, you know, talk yourself into more. Um, I don't know. I, so I genuinely don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think anybody does. I don't think even Aaron Rodgers does yet. Um, and with Kirk, I feel like I have a pretty good idea that he's going to stay. So I'm going to say Vikings fans thinking Kirk will leave is the bigger cope because that's the more likely option that Kirk will stay on the Vikings is, is more likely than Aaron Rodgers not staying on the Packers. Kurt with two C's asks, what are some differences you anticipate slash are hopeful to see with Quasey's approach to free agency and the draft as opposed to how Rick handled them? I don't know. Like with the draft, I think you're going to see a lot of trading down still. I mean, like it's if, if it's a market and you view things economically as they are a market, you know, the Wall Street way that we talked about with Quasey, then trading down and, and maximizing, you know, diversify assets, right? Like that's a very Wall Street way to look at it. So I kind of feel like they, they're going to do that kind of thing the same. I don't know how they're going to approach athleticism versus polish and scouting reports and stuff like that. They might have a different prioritization on those traits and and those different facets of evaluation. I, I don't really know what kind of model they'll come up with, but I'm sure it'll be a different model. And then when it comes to free agency, I would expect maybe a little more aggression, but that has a lot more to do with the circumstances of the Vikings where they like, they just need people. Um, and so aggressive trades and stuff like that. And I think, you know, once you've been in the organization for a while, the Vikings have this core that they were really attached to kind of, they wanted to maximize this core, this bar Griffin, Hunter, Thielen, uh, Stefan Diggs, when he was here, like that core is what they really wanted to maximize. So they were very conservative. Otherwise, you know, they're not going out and getting the replacements for the players that they really, really like. They're just kind of kind of go to try to find whatever bargain they can find. So I wonder if Quasey will be maybe a little bit more aggressive. The Browns certainly were when he was there, as were the 49ers. Um, so I, I, I don't know, um, but I'm definitely interested to find out and see if my, my guess there is correct. Uh, Ty Soup asks, are we going to see a wave of teams copying the Rams and going all in on free agency and sacrificing draft picks to do so? I don't know. So my deal with the Rams is that like, look, the Rams are, they don't like draft picks. Like that's the way it is. I said, I, we, we talked a ton about this on Locked on NFL, Radio Row, Super Bowl week, which was awesome. Um, and like the Rams don't value draft picks. They just like, they, I think you hear the argument a lot. Like, look, man, that first round pick is nothing. That could be Laquan Treadwell, you know, like that's the anti-draft pick. Like, look, it's not that much to give up a draft pick because that guy could be a bust. And the Rams genuinely believe that. Um, so I don't know if other teams are going to continue to believe that. And will they be able to kind of see through this? Like, look, eh, all these Rams are pending free agents. Their coach might go retire. Aaron Donald might go retire. Like all these things. 
I don't know what state the Rams are going to be after this. And if you think about it, like, look, if it weren't for a weird defensive holding penalty, if the Rams weren't walking away with the Lombardi, I don't think anybody would want to copy that. And I feel like uh, teams are people like they can think about that and have that view on it. You know, like they're, they're humans with, with the ability to like process things with their brains. So I, I don't think so. Um, maybe you'll see a little more aggression on the whole, but I don't think you'll see teams doing the Rams thing. Um, I got a lot more questions that I want to get to, but first, let me talk to you about Gramblin. Gramblin is a lovely little thing to do for games that you don't have a stake in, or things like the Olympics, which are going on right now, and you can do that at BetOnline. It's your one-stop shop for all things Gramblin. BetOnline.net is the place to go. It's not just football or the Olympics. You can also do hockey or boxing or basketball or UFC, MMA, whatever. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen. Our next question here on this Twitter Tuesday is going to go to Mitch, who asks, what is the timeline you expect the front office to announce contract extension slash restructures? Um, this is a really hard one because I don't know what order they're going to do things in, but they, they have to announce something before March 16th, be it a Kirk extension, a Kirk, uh, or a Daniil Hunter restructure. One of those two things has to happen by the rules for them to get under the cap before the league year turns over. If they are trading Kirk Cousins, then it would have to be the Daniil Hunter restructure, which is fine. Um, do that, get under the cap, and then trade Kirk Cousins away. If they are extending Kirk Cousins, then they do that before the, um, the, the March 16th deadline. And then if they're going to restructure Daniil Hunter, they probably don't do that till like the summer. Um, the, it's, I, I'll evoke the wisdom of Bud Grant here. Never make a decision until you absolutely have to, right? What if you get through the whole off season and it turns out you actually could have just paid the 26 million to, to Daniel Hunter. And then he's really cheap the next two years. If that option works and you find out that, Hey, the way the off season worked, you know, the free agents didn't sign here and we ended up doing more in the draft than we thought, blah, blah, blah. Um, if that works, obviously it's a phenomenal, uh, option assuming you don't end up needing that money. So why don't you wait until you know you wouldn't need that money or wait until you know you need that money to create that money, right? Like wait till the last minute to push the button. There's no real difference to it. So yeah, you can, um, that that's going to be kind of the timeline with that stuff. And then usually with extensions on somebody like Irv Smith, for example, um, that will happen in like training camp. Jake Smith asks, if we do extend Kirk, how many years will it most likely be? Could be another like attack two years on it kind of extension. Um, could be like attack three years on it kind of extension. I could see a void year thing happening where you extend him for two years, then add two more void years on top of it, get those cap hits down, and then you have a stupid dead cap hit in like 2025, which is a little bit easier to swallow. Um, but I think probably two or three extra years. So through 2024 or 2025 with maybe void years on the end of it. Reverend Brody asks, when are we winning the Super Bowl? Um, whenever you stop doing, you know what you've been doing. Whenever you stop that, Reverend Brody. Uh, we love KOC asks, moving on from Kirk, do you think Minshew could run the West Coast offense? And do you think we could get him for a fifth rounder? Second question first, I think sure. I mean, he's like a backup, right? Like I'm sure the Eagles would be willing to part with him. Could he run the West Coast offense? that i have no idea i know he did the mike leach thing and i guess he's in the eagles i don't i'm not too familiar with those schemes 
um, and like his skill set entirely. I just know he's really cool and therefore I like him and would love him to be on the Vikings, but it's like 100% a vibes argument. I don't actually know much about him on the field. I didn't watch a lot of Jaguars, okay? Easy Cheese Wizard asks, what recipe did you use for your Cincinnati chili? Um, so this is a fun thing. So every year for the Super Bowl, my girlfriend and I like to make something that is like of that city. So if, you know, New Orleans makes the Super Bowl, we'd make like a gumbo or something like that. Um, so Cincinnati and LA, a little bit harder. So I made Cincinnati chili and I wanted to fuse it and make, and she, and she made dessert, I made dinner. So, um... I wanted to like fuse it and like really do a combination thing. So I made a chili burrito that's like a California style burrito, which means it uses fries as the starch instead of uh, rice. And I put some avocado on it and cheese and sour cream. It was, it hit, man, it was great. Um, I will, if I remember, link the recipe that I used for that in the show notes, which was recommended to me by Jake Lisko, who does Locked On Bengals and is a true blue Cincinnati uh, native. So I, I placed my trust in him. It was pretty good. Yeah, I, it was, it's weird. It takes a little bit of getting used to. It's like, it's not chili. It's more of a bolognese sauce. Um, and I think that's like, it's, it's got an, uh, a nomenclature problem. It's got a branding problem. And I think that's why people don't like Cincinnati chili. Cause it's not a, a stew, like a classic chili is. It's more of a sauce that gets put on, put on pasta or in this case on a burrito. Um, but it's usually served on pasta or a hot dog. Uh, Tyler Fornes says, how excited are you to run dig and go five times a game? Um, Love a, love a good dig and go. Uh, this is a, a McVeigh thing. So a big McVeigh deal is backside digs. Sales-y dig would be the way that, that the concept is. So sale is a concept. It's a flood concept, a very common flood concept. And what that means, all you need to know about it is there is an intermediate, a short, and a deep route all on the same sideline. So there's three routes all going to the same sideline, and that really stresses coverages. Um, and then on the other side of the formation, you know, the, that stresses coverages and usually teams will f then respond by flooding the coverage, by bringing everybody over to that one sideline since everybody's over there and that vacates the middle of the field. So on the other side of the formation, you run what is called a dig route, which is a deep in route, like a 15 yards and then you break in and you're running over the middle. So sale and then the Z receiver does a dig, sale Z dig. Um, and then when they start figuring that out, you subvert that by by running a dig and go on the other side where, you know, they're going to start jumping the dig route. Then you turn back upfield and it's a double move and then boom, you get a big play that way. Um, yes, very excited for all of that. Love salesy dig. It is a very good concept right now. Torm Husvet says, what impressed you or disappointed you about O'Connell's game plan against the Cincy defense? Um, so the way that they attacked Cincinnati out of empty was really good. Their goal line things were really good. I liked the play designs. I, I liked the way that the coaches approached that. I mean, they won the game, right? So that's super easy to say. I, I think Kevin O'Connell did a good job. I, I do kind of want to look closer and be like, okay, here are the designs. This is how he attacked things. Let's really get to know Kevin O'Connell, like use the Super Bowl as kind of a template to learn that thing. Um, but that'll have to be a project for a later day. Brev says, how many barks does it take to get a featured comment on Luke Braun's podcast? Uh, zero. And you didn't do any. So good job. Brandon Fisher says, do you think the fact that you lied to P2's face make him less likely to sign with the Vikings? Oh, no. Uh, so if you go to my YouTube channel um, or you can scroll through my Twitter, too, you can find a clip. I, I spoke with Patrick Peterson briefly at the Super Bowl at Radio Row. And um, I told him it, it had broken that morning that Deshae Townsend was going to be the D-backs coach. And I was like, hey, Deshae Townsend's going to be the D-backs coach. You worked with him before. How do you feel about that? He didn't know that yet. He, it had just broken that morning. And, and so Patrick Peterson was like, wait, what? Really? That's my guy. I'm so excited. And then it turns out the next day that Deshae Townsend spurns the Vikings goes somewhere else. Um, so oops, sorry, Patrick. That's my bad. Um, yeah. So if he, if he does leave, you can blame me. That's my fault. Um, speaking of that, Joseph Begain says, is the week before the Super Bowl like a full on professional 
media conference. Yeah, kind of. It's like um it's it's nfl con i think is the the way to put it but yeah it's it, radio row in in particular is all radio and now podcasts are starting to go in but you don't see a ton of tv over there um there was it, the way it was set up here it's not always like this there was like this outer ring with um all of the biggest public you know that's cbs and espn nfl network all the big ones around this outer ring and then the inner ring where we were was the tables which with more there were local radio stations and that's where podcasts would go the ringer was there the athletic was there we were there um, and that's where, so, so you kind of would have people come in, they would rock, walk through the middle area and they would be on their way to like their CVS interview. And this is how I got Patrick Peterson. And I was just like, Hey, can I ask you a few questions while we walk? And that's kind of how I got him. So that that's the way it works, but it really is. Um, it, it's not a con like comic con where there's panels and events and stuff and, and speakers and stuff like that. Um, but it is this big giant gathering of every, like I shook so many hands and met so many people. Um, it was, it was really cool. I'm going to keep going with this, uh, Twitter Tuesday mailbag here, but first let me talk to you about rock auto rock auto is a great place to get whatever you need for your car. And it can be a really big, so if you need something for your car, like a part, and you need to take your car into a mechanic, they are going to charge the absolute crap out of you for that part. So go to Rock Auto, enter your make your year and your model. They got a super cool catalog that'll do all the work for you in terms of figuring out what's compatible, making sure you have the right kind of part, the right build, whatever from the right factory. And then you can take that to the mechanic and say, hey, I just want you to install this part that I bought myself um, and I'll just pay you the labor cost and a lot of mechanics will do that. So why pay 30, 50, even 100% more for a mechanic to charge you whatever the hell they want for the part when you can just get the part yourself and save a buck? Why not do it? So go to rockauto.com. I enter your make your 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 model whatever you buy you can get like regular supplies too like uh, windshield wiper fluid or, or motor oil or whatever. Whatever you buy, make sure you let them know that locked on sent you because if you don't the rabbits are going to extend Kirk cousins rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need moving on with this mailbag i'll take one from ryan who asks do you agree that de wins is the critical hall of fame acceptance stat i have no idea what this is about probably somebody who got into the hall of fame that you think should never whatever or whatever but i will use this as an excuse to give you my hall of fame take my Hall of Fame take is it is a legacy award, and I get that that's nebulous. There is not going to be a threshold of yards, and you cross this, and now you're a Hall of Famer. So when you talk about somebody, like, where there's a lot of Matt Stafford talk. Matt's, what's Matt Stafford's legacy? Being on a terrible team for a while, finally going to a super team, and then kind of getting carried to a ring, I think, is going to be how this looks, right? With Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Odell Beckham and Vaughn Miller and all these ultra superstars. That's going to be like a million Hall of Famers on that team. Um, and then they won the Super Bowl. And yeah, you got a ring, good for you, but getting one ring and then a bunch of volume stats isn't a legacy. It's a, a loose collection of accolades, but it's not a legacy. Look at somebody like Aaron Donald. He has a legacy of being the best defensive player in the league the whole time he was in it. The hardest one, the litmus test is, is Eli Manning. Eli Manning's legacy. What is it? It's kind of sneaking into a couple Super Bowls and beating Tom Brady. That is a legacy. You know, it's, it's, it's a legacy place. It's the Hall of Fame. It's a museum of the things that tell the story of the NFL. I think you have an argument by, of, of saying like, look, Eli Manning's legacy is being the underdog. And that means he kind of by nature wasn't very good, but that's the argument you would have to make. Um, so that's my Hall of Fame take. It is a legacy award. Ask what is this player's legacy? And usually you'll be able to find out if they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame or not. Uh, David Whitting asks, 
Who would you like to see as the starting linebackers in a 3-4 defense? Draft free agents are already on the roster. So this is an interesting thing. So um, 3-4 and 4-3 is going to get you really confused. And I'm going to keep saying this all offseason. Dispense with 3-4 versus 4-3. Just get that out of your brain and think in in terms of fronts instead. Vic Fangio uses both 4-3 and 3-4 fronts, which means he will have edge rushers in the dirt, like classic 4-3 edge rushers, and he will have edge rushers rushing from a two-point stance or even backing off into coverage in what's called like a fire zone blitz. Um, That is all on the table. It's variable. It's very multiple. And so you need versatility. So look, Eric Kendricks is there. That's great. But you need somebody that's going to be versatile and able to do a lot of those things. If you could go snag Zadarius Smith in free agency, that would be great. Of course, we got to figure out the cap. So I'm not going to have a lot of great names for you. But when you're looking for who you want, think versatility. Think somebody with a number of skill sets, even if they are, you know, I I don't want, I'm much less interested in somebody who's really, really good at one thing and then has to learn all the rest. I want somebody that's got a much more multiple skill set that's going to be a better scheme fit for what Fangio does. And we'll get more into the weeds on that when we have a little bit of time. Um, But of course, I got to get into the cap and free agency and stuff. We have a month before free agency opens, so I got to start previewing that with all of you. James Kuhnow says, agree or disagree? The recent reports surrounding Cousins' future with the Vikings are not worth looking too far into one way or another. It's not like they'd say, hey, we want to trade him since that potentially affect his trade value. I, I, I get it. Sure. And I, that's why I said all those caveats on yesterday's show. Like, look, it, it could just be a smokescreen that's trying to up his trade value. Say the opposite thing going on with Kyler Murray in Arizona right now. Like they're leaking all these things about how much of a bad teammate he is. And I think they might just be trying to drive his contract value down, which is like a well-known Steve Kime move. I'm pretty sure he did that to Patrick Peterson too. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that's a smokescreen or not or whatever. Um, but for me, I, I'm I'm not trying to answer the question, is that report true? I'm not a reporter. I'm not an insider. I can't do that investigation. I don't have the tools to do that. But what I can do is say, does that make sense? And it makes a lot of sense that the Vikings want to keep Kirk Cousins. It just tracks with who those people are, with who Kevin O'Connell is, how he approaches the game, his prior relationship, the way Quasey approaches the game. Uh, all of that really just tracks And so there's not really much reason for me not to believe it. I can disagree with it still, and I can say this is why I think that they are making a mistake, and I can hold to that, and this is my, you know, opinion on it, Um, but I I would, I don't know, it just tracks to me, and so that's going to make it difficult for me to look at that and say, ah, that's actually just kind of a bunch of baloney. I got a whole bunch to the tune of this one from Kyle, who asked, if you are a GM... What is your ideal offseason with extensions, restructures, and trades with realistic numbers to gain some cap relief? And there are a whole bunch of like, what would you do with these seven players? I'm not going to go comprehensive here on a, on a Twitter Tuesday, but I will tell you at least some philosophies. A, there's those two contract things that need to happen, right? The Daniel Hunter and the Kirk Cousins contract, those need to be uh, reorganized, right? Whether it's a trade of Daniel Hunter or whatever, if you get a godfather offer, sure. Um, but probably that's going to be a restructure. And then with Kirk Cousins, it's the trade extent, do whatever you want, right? Whatever you have to do, those contracts need to be resolved. And then you have some cap space. Um, from there, it's going to be more about budgeting out exactly how much cap space you're going to need. And you can do this on the fly too. You can say, okay, we need $7 million to get this guy. Let's reach, let's find that in restructures. Um, and then pushing that to the very, very, very limit. And then maybe you end up cutting a guy. Um, I don't think cutting players for cap space, like to me, that's a nuclear option. That's a last resort. You can always restructure. You can do stuff. If you're going to get rid of somebody, try to trade them, get a draft pick back. 
um, there are a lot of options before you just start cutting people to make cap space because you got to replace those people and that's going to take up cap space. So it's not that efficient of a move. But what I will say is either Daniil Hunter or extend uh, restructuring Daniil Hunter or extending Kirk Cousins gets you under the cap for March 16th. Everything else you can do on the fly. Um, the next one comes from the drinker of purple Kool-Aid who says, I like you, I'm skeptical that Kirk can be a Super Bowl quarterback, but how likely do you think it is that Kevin O'Connell can turn him into one, assuming they extend him, blah, blah, blah. Um, does he still have some hidden qualities within him that Kevin O'Connell can bring out? So, all right, we're going to cope here. All right, we're going to just talk ourselves into it. I'm going full on Homer goggles mode. Here's how Kevin O'Connell turns Kirk Cousins into the next Matt Stafford winning a Super Bowl. Uh, so for one, he's going to make the quarterback feel protected. We talked about that yesterday. That means quick game. That means better offensive line, right? They're going to finally, they're going to invest in the offensive line. Like we've been begging them to for so long. Um, and then he's going to not be under pressure. You know, his clean pocket stats, right? He's going to be a great quarterback, uh, you know, in all those clean pockets that we're going to invest so much to getting him. And then he's going to, um, he's not going to run the ball a whole bunch. Get get that out of here. That's a Zimmer thing. Uh, and then, so we're going to get a whole bunch of pass attempts. He'll throw for 400 yards a game. And if you're throwing for 400 yards a game, you're going to win a bunch of games. And then, uh, like schematically he'll, he'll utilize that Kirk Cousins can make all the throws, um, cousins can make every, like, that's part of what is going to keep him paid in the NFL for, for until he retires is that he can make all the throws at all the levels. There's probably like only half the quarterbacks in the league at any given time can do that. So that's going to all automatically make him a top half quarterback talent that he can make, uh, you know, throw a corner route outside the numbers underneath the safety and make those difficult throws. He makes them routinely. Um, so that is going to be, so, so you can utilize the whole field so he can really spread it out and, um, really get defenders in conflict and make them defend really big areas for their zones and make them really have to make difficult decisions about what, you know, do I take the inside guy or the outside guy and stemming routes in a sneaky way to make it difficult to make those reads and force defenders to make mistakes. And you're going to have this high flying offense, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen will have a Renaissance and KJ Osborne will be, you know, these guys are going to be getting a hundred yard games left and right. And they'll just, they'll put up 40 a game. That's going to be the way that it has to go. It has to be that Kevin O'Connell finds a way to get Kirk Cousins in rhythm. And then all of the dumb brain things that I hate about Kirk Cousins would go away. The, the, you know, live to fight another day thing. Well, he's not going to have to feel like he's living to fight another day. He's just going to be able to do progressions really easily. And of course he's, you know, Kevin O'Connell's a great schemer. So those progressions will work great. Um, that is going to be the way that, uh, Kevin O'Connell turns Kirk Cousins and he's going to make Kirk Cousins, uh, abandon the worst instincts that he has because Kirk Cousins will never feel the pressure that brings out the worst in him. That's the way that Kevin O'Connell's going to do this. I'm going to leave you on that note. That's not a positive note. Uh, the, we're going to talk tomorrow. I, I want to do something a little bit football-y tomorrow, um, if I have time to do it. So we're going to get into that. So, uh, look forward to it. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast, uh, your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling will help you get your gramble straight. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.